Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you, God. I don't think, I really don't think Job made those comments really out of a point, from a point of knowing or really trusting God. Can I just be honest? I think he just had to say something to try to get his body and his, his mind in line with what his words were speaking. Because you think about the grieving that Job went through, of not just losing his sons and his daughters and all of his wealth, all in a matter of uh, was here one minute and gone the next. He lost all that, and I, I just somehow in my mind, my earthly mind, and I've known some great men and women of God, that he could just, I'll just say, hey, naked I came into this world, and naked I'll leave. I believe he was trying to speak faith to himself because there's something about our words that will change us. You know, the Bible says that, that, that uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And, and if I need life, then I need to begin to speak life. Even though I may not believe it right now, I may not see it, there's sometimes you got to begin to prophesy over yourself. <laughs> I miss my dad. I miss my mom. The only thing that comforts me about it, you know, I, I, I'm comforted by, by them and their memory and all the great stuff that we've gone through. But the greatest comfort that I get is that I will see them again. I just want to encourage you guys today, encourage my wife, I want to encourage myself and others of you that are in here that have lost somebody within the last year or may actually some of us in here in the last couple of weeks we've lost somebody uh, there there is no medicine for the sting it hurts and it's gonna hurt and 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 I wish I could say something that would take it away but it's not and but there's a purpose use every minute and moment of this time to draw closer to God because People can get around you and comfort you while they're there, but there's going to be moments you're not there. That the, your your buddy and your your spouse and, and and everything else. I I I remember just looking at my wife and trying to hold her and hug her, but it wasn't working. It it gave her a sense of comfort, but it wasn't working. And there was nobody that could comfort my wife like the comforter. So there's times I just got to step back and intercede. I, Give her the room. Because I can't be all hugged up on her when Jesus is trying to hug on her. So let me just back up, and I'll come over here and stand in the gap, and I'll begin to pray and intercede that God uh, will comfort her and, and, and just encompass her right now with the peace that surpasses all understanding and bring back to her remembrance those things of what you said to us that yes that you are the resurrection the truth and the life and that my mother-in-law is there with you right now consumed in your love let us focus on that and that's not my message but it's a message for you today for those of you that are mourning some of those of you that are suffering right now, 
Those of you who are going through, God's been speaking this the last couple of weeks. And maybe some of us haven't got it yet. Those that have an ear to hear, let them hear with us to speak with the Lord. Listen to what God's saying. He's telling you that if you want to know him, it's through the suffering. It's not through the blessings. You don't get to know God by getting blessings. You get to know God by suffering. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now, if Paul said it was through the blessings, he would say that I may know him and the abundance of blessings that he has given me. He said it's through the suffering. Jesus himself was acquainted with grief. He didn't say he was a friend to grief. He said he was acquainted with it. Notice the difference. Jesus is my friend because he knows me and we've communed together and he lives in me and I live in him and that makes us friends. And Kai and I are friends because we share, we're intimate, we do things. But an acquaintance is somebody that you just know. They might be around, but you don't get intimate with people. You guys know there's some people in your life that you want them to stay acquaintances. Amen. You don't let them in. You, I got this circle. You cannot come in this circle. The Bible said that Jesus was acquainted with grief. It was an acquaintance, not a friend. See, Jesus understood, I know grief, but I refuse to fellowship with grief. Come on, you guys. You should know grief. You should know mourning. You should know suffering, but don't become its friend. Because when you become its friend, you'll stay there. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. You know why? Because you're telling grief, you can only stay the night. You, you, can't make, uh, you can't live here. I'll let you stay the night. But come morning time, you got to go because I got company coming that lives here. Joy's coming. <laughs> got to go, grief. <laughs> Praise God. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. All right, you guys. How many people want to be blessed? You guys want to be blessed? Oh, my God, that's what I'm talking about. You are blessed. This is my third and final uh, uh, part on the series of Blessed Life. And once again, we're talking about a blessed life, not a blessed wallet, not a blessed bank account. This is a blessed life. The first week we talked about this, we learned that generosity is all about your heart. We learn that people that don't give or people that don't tithe, it's not about a money issue. It's not about uh, how much they got in the bank or how many bills they owe. It all comes down to a heart issue. We found out that God is interested in your money. Why? Because Luke chapter 12, 34 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if God wants your heart, he needs your money. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And he knows, guess where your heart's at? In your wallet. What's in your wallet? 
I can tell you right now, most of you guys in here right now, you're, you're here at church, but if you knew right now that somebody was breaking into your house, you would leave church immediately and head straight for home. You know why? Because you've got treasure in your house, things that are important to you, things that you've invested in, things that costed you a lot of money. You're going to run to it. But let the alarm go off at the church at 3 o'clock in the morning. How many of you would run down to the church? Thank you. Get her number. Because when your heart and when you invest in the kingdom of God, your heart's going to be there. God understands that. So he wants you to invest financially into the kingdom so that your heart will be in the kingdom. Where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Week two, we found out that it's a test. You guys are like, what test? Every time we get paid, there is a test on who we will think first, or basically who we worship first. If you guys recall, I said some of us like to worship Visa first. Because as soon as the money, as soon as we get money, the first person we pay is probably either our phone, Visa, or the rent. But the phone, visa, and the rent don't have the power to bless you. They don't have the power to prosper you, but God does. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this, God says, I am the Lord your God, I do not change. He's a God that never changes. So don't think just because society changes and people's attitude about giving and generosity have changed, don't think that God has. He said, I am the Lord thy God. I never change. I was the same yesterday. I'm the same today, and I'll be the same forever. So today, the title of our message is this, Am I Generous? Now, before we get into this topic, I want us to understand that God created us to be blessed. Not lucky, but blessed. Now, I want you to understand that blessed is not from a fleshly perspective. Now, if you look at most people's desire to be blessed, including Christians, we all want our cup overflowing so that our lives could be more convenient. Amen. I talk about being blessed. The first thing we think about is houses, Cars, uh, more convenience, vacations. Man, God, God bless me so I can do this. See, God doesn't want you blessed for that reason. Everybody wants to live. I mean, now, now, you can't lie. You can't lie when I say this. Everybody wants to live in comfort and convenience. <laughs> and a double amen. Now, as a side note, I want you guys to know that comfort and convenience is not a luxury found in the Bible. Look for it. Find it. Let me know. God really created us, not just to be blessed, but more so to be a blessing. You're going to understand, well, well, I want to be blessed. No, God created you to be blessed, but in turn, he really created you to be a blessing. See, God wants us to fulfill what he created us for, and that's to be a blessing. But because of the curse, we have to work for our blessings in order to be blessed and in turn turn around and be a blessing to somebody else. See, God doesn't want you blessed for you. He wants you blessed to be a blessing. 
you can't give something you don't have. So if you want to be a blessing, you have to be blessed. Somebody say blessed. Not lucky. <laughs> See, so many of us look towards fortune cookies, uh, horseshoes, four-leaf clovers, rabbit's foot. Poor people use money they don't have, playing games of luck in which the odds are so stacked against them that it boggles my mind. It seems that our society is so stuck on putting money into things that there's a chance they might get blessed, and they don't have a problem with it, but I know a place where there is no chance. This is definite. It's been promised that if you invest in it, you will get blessed. Blessed. Why bank on a chance when you have guarantees? Why? <laughs> Watch this. Genesis chapter 5, 1 through 2. It says, this book of the genealogy of Adam, in the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. Man was blessed from day one. We were blessed from day one. But because of Adam's disobedience. I love what T.D. Jake said a long time ago. He says, man, if, when I get to heaven, I wonder if we're going to meet the old saints. He said, because the first thing I want to do is find Adam and I want to slap him for taking me through all this trouble. <laughs> but because of Adam's disobedience, somebody say disobedience. We were born under a curse because of one man's disobedience. So God created a way for us to be blessed just like him, to be in his image again. See, when we're cursed, we're not in God's image. Because God is not cursed. But when we're blessed, we're in his image. If we look back at the scripture, it says that God created man. He made him in his likeness. He created them male and female and blessed them. We were created blessed. But because of the curse, we're no longer in his image or likeness. But God created a way that we could be back like his likeness. Likeness doesn't just mean to look like. But likeness also means to act like. There's people that you say, oh, there's, there's my likeness. Here's a likeness, and you see a picture of somebody. That's not what it means in the Bible. Likeness means to look like, to act like, to think like, to be like. God created a way for us to receive his DNA again, and he created it by giving. When we give, we become a blessing, and in turn, God makes sure that we're blessed. He gives seed to the sower. John chapter 12, 1 through 5, and it reads this. Then, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There made him a supper, and Martha served but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Man, that'll preach. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given 
to the poor. Verse 6, I just have to read this. This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in. It's funny how you just don't get enough when you start stealing. He's holding on to the offering box, and he sees somebody with their own money doing what they want to do with their money, and he gets mad because he's like, you could have gave that money to us. We could have done something with the poor. But really deep down inside, he's thinking, that could have been money I put in my pocket. Now, this brings up two questions. The two questions is this. Number one, why would Mary give such an extravagant gift or a generous gift? And the second question comes up is, why would Judas get upset? If you look under the layers of this text, you'll see two types of hearts are revealed. The first heart that is revealed is a heart of generosity. And the second heart that is revealed is a selfish heart. Y'all follow me. And how was these hearts revealed? How did we see that these hearts were made manifest? One thing made these hearts manifest. You know what it was? Giving. Just by giving, it would manifest one or two hearts. It'll manifest a heart of generosity, or it's going to manifest a selfish heart. So when I ask the question, am I generous, I'm saying it in the first person so that you would ask, our, so that you would ask yourselves the question. When I say, am I generous, I'm not asking you to say, yeah, Pastor, you're generous. I'm saying it so you're saying it to yourselves. You're asking yourself the question. And you should be asking yourself, am I struggling with being generous? Am I struggling with giving? You guys, there's an enemy to generosity. And that enemy, the first enemy to generosity is selfishness. If you understand, selfishness begins with an S. So does Satan. <laughs> Somebody said sin. Sin, Satan, selfishness. But G, generosity, stands for God and good and great. So you guys, the, the motto of Satanism, Satanism is this. Do what thy will. Do what thy will. You get money, do what you want with it. Do you realize that when you get things and you're not doing what God tells you to do, you're doing what you want to do with it, you're just flowing in the motto of Satanism, my money, I'm going to do with it what I want to do with it. You guys ever watch the show Hoarders? Do you know any hoarders? <laughs> well, don't look, don't point. We sit and we shake our heads in disbelief. We can't imagine people that live like that. However, the truth is we are all hoarders by nature. Some of us just got it real bad. <laughs> We have been taught to get all you can, keep all you can, and the one who dies with the most toys wins. If I got a lot of stuff and I die, what am I going to do with it? Do you realize most people, when people, when people, if you have everything in the world, do you realize when you die, people are going to fight over it? So you actually created more chaos in your death than you have in your life. 
Why do you think Warren Buffett understands? He has everything. You know what he's doing with it when he dies? He's giving it away because he refuses to cause a fight. So he said, while I'm alive, y'all can yell at me now because I already made the decision. I'm giving everything away. I'll pay for your school so you can work for your money. But all of us have been taught. It's just by nature. Get all we can get. Keep all that we can. And when I die, if I got everything, I won. I won the race. But Jesus teaches us this. Get what you can, get all that you can, and give it all away. Got quiet. Get all that you can, and when you've got all that you can, give all away that you can. Give it away. Now, that, 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 that flies in the face of our old man, does it not? We were born selfish. That's why we have to be born again generous. Born selfish? We need to be born again generous. Born in the sin? Born again in the life. See, when you're born again in the life, generosity comes with it. If you're not a generous person, you're still a selfish person after you say you're born again. You need to check your salvation. Generosity is a major tool in killing our old man. Every time we operate in generosity, we put another nail in the coffin of our old man. We just have to renew our mind. Selfishness comes natural. We are born with it. A study has been done that the third word most children learn is mine. Mine. It's amazing. Mine is one of, it's one of the first words that children learn. Some, some of us learn it's their first word that they learn. And we've understood the meaning of, of mine <laughs> and the meaning of this word for since we were 14 months old. You, got, you probably know a lot of words, but one word that you know real well is mine. Especially when it comes to food. That definition has been ingrained in us, and because we know the word mind so well, I believe that's why God used it when he described the tithe. But we play dumb when he says it. But when it's up to you, you're like, this money's mine. God says, no. He said, it's mine. Don't touch it. Let's look back at verse 5. It says, while the fragrant oil was not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor. This, this scripture describes the second part of the heart. And the second part, a type of heart. Wait, wait, let me, wait, wait, back up, let me back up because I'm, I'm going ahead of myself. He says, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He sat down and wants to judge somebody else's sacrifice. Isn't it weird how a selfish heart will judge somebody else's sacrifice? How many times have we seen or heard people give extra extravagant gifts and go, I don't even know why that person giving all that money to that man. If any of you watch Benny Hinn, you watch Creflo Dollar, you heard about people giving out, give, writing tech checks for $3 million and all that. And what's the first thing we say? You shouldn't be giving all that money to that man. We're just being Judas's. 
because he, they're not giving it to the man. They're giving it to the man. It just happens that a man is not doing what he should do with it. The thing is, and we read that when you give the tithe, though there are men on earth that receive it, the Bible says that it's received in the heavenlies. And when it's received in the heavenlies by the priest, the great priest, Jesus, you don't have to worry about what happens here. So many people are, are beating themselves up like, man, I should have never gave all that money to that dude and all this. It's like, don't worry about it. They're going to have to be, they're going to be judged for that. Because I'm going to be judged about what I put in the box and walked away from. So as we look, we understand that Mary came, I, I, I'm going to have to talk about this. I cannot let it go. She came in, she broke open this box of fragrant oil, which I need you to understand was very expensive. And for a woman like this, it took all of her life savings to buy. She was using it, she, usually this oil was used to basically to, to spread over people when they die. But she went over to Jesus and she broke open the box. And I'm sure the box itself was probably expensive because it was an alabaster box. She broke it open and used the oil, and she began to worship him. She anointed his feet and his hair. She began to worship him. I need you to understand something about worship because it only takes one person to begin to worship because it said when she broke open the, what was so valuable to her, what cost her all of her life, when she gave all of her living and gave it and worshiped Jesus with it, the Bible said that the whole room was filled with the fragrance it takes one person to love on Jesus in a room full of everybody for them to experience the worship the fragrant oil but here's the thing it didn't mean that they got to experience what she was experiencing they just caught the smell of it just because somebody's cooking in the room doesn't mean you get to eat You can just enjoy the smell. Man, that smells good. I wish I had some. Get in and help. You may not have the oil that I have, but you got something. Man, right now, that's good. That's the message. There's a message in there somewhere. Now, let's talk about Mary. Mary's heart. In these scriptures, it revealed the second type of heart, and that's a heart of extravagant generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5 says this. I just have to mention this. It says, but they first, and I'm not reading the whole scripture, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. I need to stop here for a second because we're talking about giving, but you know, there's so many people that think that they can give their way into heaven. Now, I'll be honest with you as a pastor. Can I be honest? Thank you for the big checks but I'd rather see you give your, your life to God. I'd rather see you serving in the house of God. I'd rather see you sacrificing in the house of God than just trying to write checks and make your way into heaven. Because at the end of the day, the church will be blessed, but you won't. So please, give your lives first. See, extravagant generosity goes beyond just giving. We talk about extravagant, we talk about lavish, we talk about going above and beyond. 
exceedingly abundantly more. She didn't have to. Look, she probably could have just knocked the, oh, it's a mess with me. Oh, my gosh. Do you notice that in order to put something in the alabaster box, there had to be a top for it to open to put something in there. The Bible didn't say that she cracked open, you know, and poured it out. She broke the alabaster box, which means I'm pouring out never to put back in. I'm, I'm burning my bridges. I'm not, I'm not trying to fill this back up. I'm not just going to give you a little bit, Jesus. I'm breaking it all open. I'm giving all of it to you because that's what you commanded of me. She said, I'm giving it. I'm breaking the box open. Now I'm opening it. I'm breaking it. Because when you open it, you're saying, I'm going to get some more later. <laughs> Woo. She broke open the box. She was extravagant the same way Jesus was extravagant. See, there's three levels of generosity, three levels of giving. We have the tithe, the offering, and extravagant offering. Let me let you guys know something first. 95% of Christians never even reach the first one. Did I say 95? Yes, I said 95. 95% of Christians never tithe. We sat in Bible study the other day, and Pastor Lionel taught a wonderful class about tithing and about giving and offering. And I love when he teaches about it because, one, he, he's a man that knows his word, but he's a man that lives his word. And he's a man that he's, he's like, dude, my business, as he said, my business is blowing up. I don't have enough people. I'm, I'm running all over the place trying to take care of it. God has poured out on him exceedingly abundantly more than he can ask for or even think. He's opened up the windows of heaven on Lionel and poured him out a blessing. He doesn't have room to receive because Lionel is one that ties. He gives offerings and he gives extravagant offerings. So when somebody teaches about that, you might want to listen. And as he was beginning to teach it, I, I remember he said, he said exactly what I said. He goes, most Christians don't even tie. And I remember he said it that day, and I got fired up. And I looked around, and I looked at everybody at Bible studies, about this many people, and I said, listen, you guys, can you imagine if we got everybody in the church to tithe? Do you know the impact that we could have on our city? Do you realize the land that we could buy? The people we can employ to have community centers and bowling alleys and we're not, not see I, I got this mind I don't know maybe it's just me but we can open up a bowling alley a skating rink we can open up another gym and people will come we can employ people from the church we can employ people from the city we'll pay taxes to the city because this you know most churches don't want to pay taxes they're trying to find tax-free land we'll pay taxes back to the city because the city is going to love us because we're bringing in money for the city because everybody's in the win in it to win it Everybody. Do you guys realize if you never do the first one, you're not, you're not going to do the other two? You got to do the first part. You have to. But you guys have to understand, when, when you begin to tithe, you know, you start off with tithing, then you go, you know, I'm going to give above my tithe. And, and listen, I know people that say, well, I tithe 20%. 
no, you don't tithe 20%. You tithe 10% because the other 10% is an offering. And then there's extravagant offerings, which there's times where God will look at you. And, and I think I've shared with you times before where my wife and I only had a little bit of money. And God to- spoke to me specifically. He said, give what you have. And I was like, I don't have to give. I got because I need to live off of it. He said, give it. And I did it. And that's an extravagant offering. And just if you guys weren't here when I gave the testimony, it was a couple weeks later. We wrote the check. A couple weeks later, nothing happened. A couple months later, nothing happened. I think a couple years went by. (laughs) Two years, I think, went by. Nothing happened. But when God opened up the window, (laughs) I am trying to tell you, you can't wait to start getting buckets when it starts raining. We had the bucket set up. God opened up the window, and we were just, it was raining all kinds of financial blessings, all kinds of things down on us because we first learned to tithe, we gave our offering, and we gave extravagant offering. But there is, listen to this, there is a reward of generosity. There's a reward. Mark chapter 14 and 9. Assuredly, I say to you, Wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now watch this. Because Mary did what she did, because she cracked open her alabaster box. So so now when they mention Mary, she's not remembered for her sin. She's remembered for her giving. She's remembered for her generosity. Listen, it took one moment of extravagant giving for you to forget about a lifetime of prostitution. Woo! If we had a B3 at this point, that would be the point to hit, because maybe you don't understand. Maybe you haven't lived a life that you want to forget, that other people keep reminding you of. It takes one moment to worship Jesus extravagantly, to be remembered for your worship and not for what you did before that. There's a, there's a reward for your generosity. You notice, I, you notice it didn't say that God said, uh, uh, I'm going to give you five gallons of fragrant oil because you gave me a drop of yours. No. He changed how she would be remembered. The thief on the cross said, when you get to heaven, will you remember me? Remember me for who I am on this cross, not for why I am on the cross. I I don't want you to remember the stuff I did. Remember me just for acknowledging who you are. See, he worshiped. He worshiped Jesus with all he had left. He didn't have nothing to pour on him. He didn't have nothing to get into his pocket. All he had to say is, you don't deserve this. I deserve this right here, right now. So, Lord, please remember me. This day you shall be with me in paradise. And we remember the thief on the cross. Not for his life of thievery, 
but we remember him for being a worshiper. <laughs> My God. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. <laughs> Man, uh, My dad was a great giver. I'm just going to quickly talk about my mother-in-law also. It's funny because my mother-in-law wanted things. And I was like, why does she got to have everything? I mean, everything. Everything she's seen, she wanted. It was nerve-wracking. Everything. Kaya, everything. And she acted, watch this though. See, this is because I didn't realize this. It took, literally, it took after her passing that I began to step back and see that everything she went by, it was like, you know what? I want that couch. It's like, we just got a couch three months ago. Her whole point wasn't just to have the newest, and, and, and the, the newest thing. It's because she wanted to give away her stuff. She wanted all this print stuff. You, if you guys didn't know about it, I'm going to talk about this next service if you guys want to stay. But she used to buy all this print stuff and computer stuff and all these paper. When we cleaned out the house, we threw away thousands of dollars of stuff. And we, did, we just didn't have time to, to, to sell it or do whatever, give it away. Thousands of dollars of supplies. Why? She didn't do it because it was her hobby. She did it because she loved to do things for people. I don't know how many nights my mother-in-law, since I knew her, would sit up late, sick, barely could see, couldn't feel the tips of her fingers, but would create um, brochures and things for people for funerals, for parties, all night long, and make them. Why? And, and watch this. Turn around and wouldn't charge nobody nothing. Nothing. Because she had a heart of generosity. She just is like, I want it so I can give it. <laughs> and not only did she give the things that she had, she gave of herself. She would just do things for people. If you guys know, she would give stuff away in the drop of a hat. Because there's a woman that grew up with nothing. Who bounced around from home to home. And she said she didn't want nobody else to like her. She, she couldn't have a daughter. And finally, when God blessed her with a daughter, she didn't stop there. She couldn't have anymore, but let you be around the neighborhood. She wanted you to have what she had because she realized what it means to be generous when somebody was generous to her. God always rewards generosity. See, generosity comes from gratitude. You guys hear me? Maybe some of you that aren't generous just aren't grateful for what God has done for you. Grateful people are generous. God always rewards generosity. And what is generosity? Generosity is giving without expecting anything in return. Hebrews 11.6, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder, it is not the amount, it's the attitude of your heart that rewards you. God wants, to, God wants to give you a reward. It's not about money and things. God wants your heart to be right when you're giving. 
so that your reward will be that of man. The reward I got is just to see the look on somebody's face. The reward is to know that every time I give, a life is being touched and a destiny is being changed. That's the only reward I want. That's the attitude of the heart. And God is a rewarder for people that do that. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.